0: Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well, and subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. The message that I want to bring is a really, really exciting topic. It's something that can transform our lives if we lean into it. It's something that has the power to liberate us. Anyone need liberation from mindsets and and those things that might try to limit you? It's something though that our minds don't comprehend, our spirits do. And so this morning I'm actually not speaking to your cognitive logic, I'm going to speak to your spirit, is that okay? And so I pray that you just open your heart, lean in in the spirit to conceive, you know the spirit conceives things in us. And we bring them, we incubate them and deliver them. And I pray that this word will speak straight to your spirits. And I want to start this morning by sharing with you a story about a remarkable person who you may have heard of in history named Helen Keller. And um, Helen Keller was born in 1880. She was born healthy, happy, and at the age of two was struck with an illness that left her deaf and blind, so imagine healthy, completely healthy, and then at the age of two, suddenly deaf and blind, <clears throat> so young that she soon forgot all memories of sights and sounds. You know, as a two-year-old, she would very quickly in the coming years forget those formative things. Her frustration was enormous and her behavior steadily deteriorated. At the age of seven, the doctors gave her a life sentence confirming that nothing could be done, that she would be deaf and blind for the rest of her life. At about the same time, at about seven years old, there was a young teacher named Ann Sullivan who started to come alongside this young girl, Helen, and Ann Sullivan spent the next 50 years of her life with Helen. She struggled though to teach Helen the basics of words, but one day struck gold when she was trying to teach Helen about water and she put Helen's hand under running water and somehow this stimulus unlocked memories of early language. And so somehow in this moment she started to unlock parts of Helen's memory. And Anne then spelled out the word water on Helen's hand and the adventure began. And from this moment, she was able to start teaching Helen the words by spelling them out on her hand. Then she taught Anne Braille. And ultimately, the ability to converse and express emotion and even be able to read. Anne then tried and experienced successfully a method where she would allow Helen to put her own hands inside Anne's mouth as she spoke to learn the way that Anne formed her tongue as she spoke the words. And so by doing that, um, Helen mimicked the shape of her tongue and formed words. Deaf, deaf. She learned to speak because a woman allowed her to put her hands in the mouth and feel the shape of the tongue. And in just three years, by the age of 10, Helen could speak. She completed school and university. She published written works contributing to magazines and newspapers. She campaigned for the deaf, blind, and disabled right across the states and in more than 40 countries. Remember, she was born in 1880. Okay? 40 countries, deaf, blind, in the early 1900s. Anne Sullivan was always by her side. Helen founded and helped institutes, unions, parties, and organizations. She associated with famous inventors, leaders, presidents, and too many to mention. Three years before her passing, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Senator Lister Hill said this about Helen Keller. Her spirit will endure as long as man can read and stories can be told of the woman who showed the world that there are no boundaries to courage and faith. Helen Keller lived to be 88 and she changed the world. I wanna ask you this morning, what do you see? I wanna ask you about your sight. What do you see? What do you see? What is your perspective? Which reality do you ascribe to? Do you know you speak out of what you see? I know what you see after five minutes talking with you. You live out of what you see. I know what you see by how you live. You function out of what you see. And we live in a world, the natural world, the physical world, that tries to constrict us. If I had a cardboard box around me, Imagine, I was walking around the stage with a cardboard box. That's our physical reality. It's limited. And we live and move inside of that box. That's life. That is life in the natural, that is the fallen man, inside a box. But the Lord wants you to get out of the box. The Lord wants you to know that you actually live in wide open spaces under him without restrictions, without limitations. Not just some limitations, no limitations. In fact, he wants us to be in a thriving relationship with Christ that has no bounds. In Psalms 118 verse 5, it says, In my distress, in my limitation, in my box, I called out to the Lord. He answered me and put me in a wide open space. Every time the Lord answers, he puts us in wide open spaces. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5. Did you know that you are sons of light and daughters of day? We live under open skies and we know where we stand in wide open spaces. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty. He stood me on a wide open field. I stood there, saved, surprised to be loved. Three things this morning on how to live with heaven's perspective. How to see with the lens of the Spirit. And the first one is this, that you actually have to look for it. You have to look for the supernatural over the natural. You cannot just accept the natural. If you just accept the natural, what difference is there between you and the person who doesn't know Jesus? You cannot just accept the natural. You have to look for the supernatural in everything. Helen Keller said, it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. It's entirely possible to see and have no vision. It's possible to be looking at something and not seeing it in its completeness and its potential. There's a passage in 2 Kings that describes this so well. So 2 Kings is about the prophet Elisha. 1 Kings is about the prophet Elijah. Two different guys, not a spelling mistake. And 2 Kings is is, uh, about Elisha. Elisha. And so he's here at, in this um, account, Second Kings 6. And the prophet Elisha is under hot pursuit by the king of Syria. And they want him dead. <laughs> They're out to get him. They want to finish him. Prophets in those days were not popular. Reminds me of today. The whole army of that nation is chasing Elijah, Elisha and his young servant. And these two young men come up against a whole army. And Elisha's assistant is afraid. If you've got your Bible, 2 Kings 6, let's read it together from verse 17, uh, 13. The Syrian king said, Go and see where he, Elisha, is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told, he's in Dotham. So the Syrian king sent there horses, chariots, and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, when Elisha's servant arose early and went out, behold, he saw an army with horses and chariots around the city. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, fear not. (laughs) For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. No, no, Elisha, it's just you and me. And there's a whole army. And Elisha's like, no, no, actually the ones with us outnumber them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. What do you see? What do you see? You have to look for the supernatural in the natural, are you a son of light, a daughter of day? Yes, you are. What do you see? The king of Syria is pursuing him, and the enemy and the servant of Elisha is afraid. But you know what? When we see in the natural, if we look, if we compare Elisha with his servant, the difference of a, of a perspective is enormous. Because the servant is afraid. The servant can only see what's in front of him in the natural. But what does Elisha display? When you see in the supernatural, you have confidence. When you see in the supernatural, you have confidence, the ability to see beyond the natural and stand fearless because of it. Do you see with the supernatural in the face of a challenge? If you're afraid, you probably need to lift your eyes. Because those that are with you outnumber those that are against you. The second thing when we see with the eyes of the supernatural, firstly, we have confidence. The second thing is we inspire the people around us. Elisha was able to transfer vision to someone else. You can't give what you don't have, but what you have, you can give. And so our ability to see in the supernatural inspires other people. Elisha had this ability to transfer it, and Sullivan had the ability to give the gift of vision to a blind child. What do you see, parents? What are you teaching your children? What are we imparting to the next generation? What do they declare, what do they hear you declare about your financial situation? What do they perceive about how to do relationships? Do they have victorious parents? Are they being encouraged to lift their eyes to heaven and see the miracle-working, limitless power of God at work in every day, every circumstance? What are you transferring to the next generation? You and I have the responsibility and the opportunity to transfer vision. It's actually our mandate. God forbid that the next generation could not see. In the spirit realm, that our God is greater, that His will is perfect, that you plus God are a majority. Let us be a people that diligently lift our eyes to see the supernatural, choose to discipline ourselves to look beyond the box to throw the box off and live in the wide open spaces of the Lord. Let us be those people to see Christ over every circumstance. Amen. Have you ever heard the saying, maybe you've said it, maybe your mother said it to you, when I give you an inch, you take a mile. Ever heard it? I would like to give you permission to be that person who takes a mile whenever the Lord gives you an inch. Let the Lord say to you, you are awesome. Every time I give you an inch, you take a mile. That's faith. That's faith. And so my second point is, firstly, you've got to look for the supernatural. The second one is, take a mile. Take a mile. Even the smallest evidence is enough to run with. This is so great. So we rewind to 1 Kings now, to Elijah. Elijah 18. 1 Kings 18. So the land's been in drought for three years because Elijah said so. (laughs) And he's a pain in the king's side. Ahab is sick to death of Elijah because everything this crazy guy says happens. God is speaking through him. God is not impressed with him. And so Elijah says, because you're leading my people away from the Lord, there's going to be a drought in the land. And so here we pick it up on the third year of the drought. And Elijah says to his servant and says to Ahab, get up on your feet, eat and drink and celebrate. Rain is on its way. I can hear it coming. And Ahab did it. He got up, ate and drank. Meanwhile, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant, on your feet now, look towards the sea. He went, looked, and reported back. I don't see anything. Keep looking. This is a word for someone this morning. You have prayed and you don't see anything. Keep looking. Keep looking seven times if necessary. Seven times if if necessary. And sure enough, the seventh time he said, Yes, a cloud, but very small, no bigger than someone's hand rising out of the sea. Quickly then, on your way, tell Ahab, saddle up, get down the mountain before the rain stops you. I gave you an inch, you took a mile. There's no storm coming, it's a cloud the size of a man's hand. But to Elijah, that was enough. That was enough. A cloud this big. Things happened fast. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds and then a huge cloudburst of rain Ahab hightailed it in his chariot for Jezreel, and God strengthened Elijah mightily, pulling up his robe and tying it around his waist. Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. I want to show you a couple of photos from a week ago. This is the view from Mount Carmel. Next one, that's us being tourists. A week ago, I stood on this mountain and I looked out towards the sea. Now, there were many more clouds that day, but I imagined that that was not green. I imagined it was dry and parched after three years of of drought. I imagined not a single cloud in the sky. And if we press play on the video, it will pan across. And where we finish is the sea, where the young man went looking, and where he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Excuse my videoing skills. Out there, a cloud the size of a man's hand. Take a mile, I love Elijah. We can leave that there so we've got a bit of perspective. Elijah was a punk. Elijah was a royal nightmare. I want to be that person. A royal nightmare. Anyone else? Come on. Any punks in the room? Who are just going to say what the Lord needs said? Who are just going to believe, regardless of the parched land and the clear sky? He was a royal nightmare. Ahab had no choice but to listen. It wasn't optional. And before, 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 before Elijah even had any evidence, he declared it into being. Too many of us, we're too safe, we're too pragmatic, we're too calculated, we're too organized. We are too smart for God to even move in our lives before he even had any evidence he made a declaration because that was enough the word of God was enough after his declaration he prayed after his declaration he prayed he made a statement before he had any proof the only thing he needed was a word And then he sends out his servant, and he didn't take no for an answer. Seven times. Seven times. Seven times. Nope, go again. Nope, go again. Go again. Lord. Lord, after the losses, after the buffeting, preserve my faith that I can go again and again and again and again and believe you at your word until I see your promise. God forbid, Lord, that I would stop on round number six. There's a cloud in round number seven, the number of perfection, Lord, your timing is perfect. Your timing is perfect, Lord, Breathe on the flames of my faith that my boldness can stand up to circumstance in the face of Ahab. Breathe on the flames of my heart so my faith speaks to a nation. Breathe on the flames of my heart, God, so that I can go again and again and again and again and trust you at your word that I will not take no for an answer because I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you never run out, Lord. And so I'll go again and again and again, again, until finally there's a glimmer of hope. Storm coming. Storm coming. It's this big in that sky. It's that big. Yes, Elijah, there's a cloud. Great, great. Tell him to get on his chariot. There's a storm coming. It's all he needed. Let me give you a glimpse into Elijah's heart. Initially, God's word is enough to make a declaration. And then the smallest amount of evidence is enough to seal the deal. That's faith. When God gives you an inch... (laughs) take a mile be that obnoxious kid instead of addressing the obvious speak from a place of faith it doesn't take any faith to describe the natural congratulations if you can describe what's in front of you I want to run with people who can speak the language of faith who in the midst of opposition keep looking evidence keep declaring the word of God Romans 8 17 remember it's God who quickens the dead and calls those things that are not as though they already are call those things that are not as though they already are you know what I'm not going to apologize for being optimistic I'm not going to apologize for being the most positive person in the room I say fooey to the cynics. They can go and take their opinion and put it somewhere else. I'll always run with the smallest evidence of God's faithfulness. I'll always respond to his word with a yes and amen. It may be the size of a man's hand. It may be in the distance, but it is a cloud nonetheless. What do you see? What do you see? Don't take no for an answer. Take a mile. And finally, if you're going to live with heaven's perspective, if you're going to see with the eyes of the Spirit, you have to use your imagination. Your imagination is God's playground. It's his starting point. Let me show you. In the NCV, Ephesians 3.20, with God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or What you ask for, he starts there. What you can imagine, do you know, we can limit God by our prayers. We can limit God by what we see. Because that's his starting point. Pray big prayers. Believe big things, because he'll start there. (laughs) Our imagination is his playground. In Joel 2.28, he promises, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions to all the sons and daughters, young and old alike. No one gets missed in this. He's seeing you will see. He's saying you will see dreams and you will see visions. I was talking to a business person recently who started their business out of a God dream several years ago. And through the ups and downs and the challenges of the recent climate, this person admitted to losing passion for the whole thing. And their words to me were, why do we even dream? The truth is, it's the dream that makes us alive. It's the dream that pulls us out of the box. It's the dream that causes us to throw that all off. The dead don't dream anymore, only the living dream. We dream and we give birth to living things. And so everybody who calls themselves a Christian is called to dream, to see, to envisage, to create. Somehow in the day in and day out of life, it gets knocked out of us if we allow it. We end up going through the motions. We experience reality. The gloss starts to wear off. And we're not as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as we were once. Is that true? We need to use our imagination again. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? What dream have you put to bed? Why don't you close your eyes this morning, maybe reach out your hands, position yourself in some way to see again. You've put something aside. You thought you were wrong. Maybe you've just gotten too smart with the knocks of life. No, no, no. Faith like a child that's who the kingdom belongs to the ones who can go again and believe him at his word in the message version with your eyes closed that same scripture out of ephesians 3:20 let me read this over you as you receive vision this morning god can do anything you know far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams he does this not by pushing us around but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Your imagination is his playground and his starting point. Not only is he able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond, he is willing. He is desiring. He is looking for a people who will believe that he can and he will and he indeed is doing Exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything they could think or ask. You'll win some, you'll lose some, but continue continue expecting the best. This morning, how do we live with heaven's perspective? Look for it. Look for the supernatural in the natural. Take the smallest evidence and run with it. Use your imagination. Lord God, I just pray this morning that you'd breathe on your church. Come and rest on us. Spirit, you're all that we want. You're all that we need. And we know that when you breathe on us, you fill us. And when you fill us, our reality changes, our perspective changes. I ask this morning that you, Holy Spirit, would come and rest on us as we sing together. Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed.